Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOGS program. The Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools are here every Saturday at 12 noon to defend and promote public education. That's education that's public in purpose and outcome. Above all, it's public in access. It should be public in ownership and control because it's the only one that can be publicly accountable. And our Politicians should make sure that every child in Australia should have a first-rate public education. We know it's not happening, and we know that Australian education is in trouble. How do we know this? We know that this is happening. We are in trouble because so many international groups that are testing our children tell us that we are in trouble. But perhaps Australia is not yet in quite as much trouble as the United States of America. We have a website at www.adogs.info and this is our press release 744. Lessons from the Republican States in America. Privatisation of education is for developing, not for developed countries. The privatisation policies of Betty DeBoss, Trump's Education Secretary in the United States of America, are an illustration of where Australia's privatisation education policies take a developed nation. Downhill. The conditions that conservatives in Republican states of the USA have been promoting in public schools are not those of an advanced economy, but rather those of a developing country. Mr Turnbull and Mr Birmingham, please listen. And recent teacher strikes in Oklahoma and West Virginia show how terrible the conditions for teachers can be in Republican-dominated states. Unless Gonski 2.0 bites the bullet and calls out the real reason for growing inequalities in Australian education namely the favoured public subsidisation of private religious enterprises and the running down of our public sector, Australia too will descend into a developing as opposed to a developed nation. But Australian teachers and public school supporters who are fighting the battle are not alone. The following information, which dogs have gleaned from the Alternet, it's an interesting website, tells the story of the battle for American public education. Australian teachers, who since 1969 have fought the public school battle for our disadvantaged children in public schools, will quickly identify the parallels with Australia. Dogs also 
know and have experienced the themes in the story that I'm going to read to you from the alternate. The wealthy and the powerful do not care and have never cared about the children of those less fortunate than themselves, nor did they, have they ever intended to pay taxes for the common good. As with Facebook, the customer is actually the product. For the United States of American Republicans, and to some extent even the Democrats, and certainly in Australia, for a lot of our wealthy conservatives in Canberra, children are a commodity, a product sold to the highest privatisation bidder. Whether it's billionaires of the hedge fund charter schools or the religious variety. But public school teachers and supporters in both the United States and Australia have always said and are still saying, no way. So what is going on in in America? 2018, Alex Henderson from the Alternet tells us, may very well go down in history as the year in which public school teachers in Republican-controlled states finally became fed up and rebelled. Those of us who've been teachers and have been around for a while might remember that this happened in 1968. The teachers in the public schools, particularly of New South Wales and later down here in Victoria, said, enough is enough. And we didn't go on strike for better pay. We went on strike because the children were not getting a fair go and the jolly schools were falling down around our heads. They were unsafe working places and learning places. Now, so far this year, statewide teachers' strikes in, in America have taken place in Oklahoma and West Virginia. And teachers have been protesting in Kentucky as well. And a statewide walkout is being considered in Arizona. And these are the so-called Republican states, but there are elections in the next year. When Oklahoma's teachers' strike entered its second week on April the 9th, teachers in that very Republican state had a long list of grievances. The minimum starting salary for teachers in Oklahoma is only 31600 American dollars, which is the lowest in the United States according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They haven't had a raise in 10 years and many teachers must take a second or third job in order to make ends meet. Classrooms are overcrowded and striking teachers have been using Facebook to post photos of everything from crumbling textbooks to broken chairs in classrooms. In fact, Larissa Kovacs, a middle school teacher in McAllister, Oklahoma, received over $44,000 worth of donated supplies from Facebook users after posting a photo of a broken chair and explaining that she has had to bring in chairs from home because there weren't enough usable ones in her classroom. So Facebook's good for some things. But despite such conditions, Oklahoma's teachers are getting no sympathy from Republican government, Mary, F- Governor, I'm sorry, Mary Fallon, who compared them to a teenage kid that wants a better car. And she's hardly alone when it comes to Republicans who undervalue public education. 
Meanwhile, over in West Virginia, public school teachers were on strike for nine days in late February and early March over stagnant pay, rising healthcare costs and other grievances. West Virginia, like Oklahoma, has had some of the United States' lowest salaries for public school teachers who complained that the 1% pay rise they were initially offered didn't begin to offset the ever-rising healthcare costs they were facing. But the strike finally ended when Republican Governor Jim Justice, what a funny name for a Republican governor, and West Virginia's um, GOP dominated, that's Republican dominated state legislature, reluctantly agreed to a 5% pay increase, which wouldn't have come about had the teachers not shut down every public school in that so-called right-to-work state. And on March the 9th, Their AFL-CIO declared in an official statement, the victory for teachers and public employees in West Virginia is a true testament to their activism and an important reminder of the power of working people to improve the lives of everyone. Now, feeling empowered by their counterparts in West Virginia, Kentucky's public school teachers have been staging sick outs and large rallies. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? A sick out. And they have many of the same complaints, including stagnant wages, inadequate school supplies and overcrowded classrooms. Teachers have also been vehement in their opposition to Republican efforts to defund their pension system in Kentucky, which, like Oklahoma, is a right-to-work-for-less state full of anti-union politicians. Both of Kentucky's United States Senators, Rand Paul and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, are hard-right Republicans, as are the Governor Matt Bevan and most of the state legislature. Meanwhile, over in Arizona, the teachers have been demanding a 20% pay increase and threatening a statewide walkout. Public education in Arizona has been seriously underfunded in recent years, first under the Republican Governor Jan Brewer and more recently under her Republican successor, Duke Ducey, who stressed that a 20% pay hike is off the table and he will go no higher than a 1% increase. Now, Justin Halleck, an elementary school teacher in Phoenix, is a perfect example of why so many Arizona teachers are fed up. In addition to his full-time teaching job, which pays about 35500 per year before taxes, Halleck has been repairing computers and managing a shoe store on the side in order to make ends meet. Once I had to start going to the food bank to feed my kids, Halleck told the Arizona Patch, I knew it wasn't working. According to a report from the National Education Association, the NEA, Arizona is among the five states that have the lowest salary gains for teachers in recent years. The other four were West Virginia, Alabama, Indiana and Oklahoma, and those states are by no means the only offenders. The NEA reported that nationwide salaries for teachers have decreased by 3% on average in the United States during the last 10 years when adjusted for inflation. Now, other red states, and the Americans refer to red states 
because they're Republican states. The Democrat states are blue states, aren't they? But in other red states that the National Education Association has cited as having stagnant pay for teachers despite inflation include Mississippi, Utah, Alabama, Idaho, Kansas, Georgia, Georgia, Tennessee and Texas. And in contrast, the National Education Association notes that salaries for public school teachers have been increasing in Massachusetts, California, Vermont and New York State, which are all heavily democratic. So there you are. If you're thinking of going to work as a teacher in the United States, you want to pick the state that you go to. That isn't to say that teachers are necessarily doing well in the democratic-leaning states, however, because the NEA also reported that their salaries haven't been keeping up with inflation in Rhode Island, Delaware and Connecticut. But overall, teachers are more likely to be treated well in blue states where they enjoy stronger union protection than in red states with so-called right-to-work laws. How do you like that? In America, they have right-to-work laws, which means that you can be forced to work for less pay. So there's very troubling statistics, too, uh, in America of conditions for public school teachers and students in these Republican-dominated states. The five states that had the lowest salaries for public school teachers were all states that President Trump won in 2016. Now, Betty DeVos, and on this program we've talked quite a bit about Betty DeVos because she's the Secretary of Education in the Trump administration and she's a charter school girl and she's a billionaire too. She showed her cluelessness. By the way, she knows absolutely nothing about education. Uh, her education was in a very strange, uh, reformed, uh, reformed, reformed 16th century uh, school in, in her home state. But she showed her complete cluelessness when, in an interview with the Dallas Morning News, she implied that Oklahoma's striking teachers are selfish individuals who are putting their needs over the needs of their students. I hope, she said, that adults would keep adult disagreements and disputes in a separate place and serve the students that are there to be served. DeVos like so many Republicans, simply doesn't get it. When textbooks and chairs are falling apart and teachers have to take a second or third job in order to make ends meet, it's hardly advantageous for the students. Mm. The conditions that Republicans have been promoting in public schools in Oklahoma, West Virginia, Kentucky and other red states are not those of an advanced economy, but rather those of a developing country. Mm. And if we compare this with what is happening in Australia and how Mr Howard and the Conservatives have said that no school will be worse off, which means that all of the wealthiest schools and the religious schools in this country will continue to get funding, which is in fact public funding, which is more than large numbers of state schools are getting, then they are more interested in Australia being a developing rather than a developed country. 
At a recent rally in Oklahoma, one of the striking teachers carried a sign reading, Teaching, the foundation of our future. Children, our future. We care. Do you? If most Republican politicians responded truthfully, and that goes for our Conservative politicians, and let's start with Mr Turnbull and Mr Abbott, on this they will be in complete agreement. If they were to respond truthfully, the answer would have to be a definite no. So we'll have a bit of a break, and then uh, there were a lot of comments uh, from American teachers and others on this article, which we thought you would be interested in, particularly if you are a teacher or a parent associated with a public school in in Victoria. And um, Dale will be informing you about some of these comments after the break.
Well, there was Johann Sebastian Bach's concerto for two violins. We hope that you enjoyed it. And Dale is here now to uh, read you some of the comments on what was going on with teacher strikes in America. Over to you, Dale. Thanks, Jean. Yes, I've got some of the comments, uh, and I'll start with the oldest ones first and come come through to the further responses. Uh, The first one uh, says, My mother had a long career as an elementary school teacher. She retired in 1981 and died in 2005. I know she would be pained to see how disrespected her profession has become in so many states and struck speechless at the idea of no nothing DeVos being Secretary of Education. I miss her, but I'm glad she didn't live to see this mess. Then uh, Alexander follows up by saying, uh, not only do Republicans hate education, but especially public education, but they know that the teach- because they know that the teachers are primarily women. Oh, my God, they are women. And then Jim says, uh, helping education is not in the GRP interest. The more ignorant our students, the more future Republicans. Oklahoma's new license plate motto should be working to be dumber than Alabama. Our proof comes from Pruitt and Inhofe. And Glasney says, this is part of the overall contempt of workers in the general and public sector workers, in particular by the conservative politicians and their voters. This in addition to their contempt for education, especially public education and teachers. It's just another aspect of their despicableness. And then Alvin says, I watched a TV interview last night with a teacher in Oklahoma. The guy said he was a Republican but was fed up with the current state of funding for public schools. What the hell did you think you were voting for, dummy? When Republicans say they hate public education, maybe you should start believing them. Then Dave says... In numerous interviews with teachers in Oklahoma, the teachers claim that they voted for Trump and that they are Trump-loving conservatives. Given that they are responsible for the current current position they're in and continue to support candidates that will keep them in that position, I have zero empathy for these teachers. And then Alvin says, Republicans want to destroy public education. This is all part of the plan a plan of creating two, a two-tiered society, one for the wealthy, another made up of serfs to serve the wealthy. The wealthy will attend private schools and get a good education, which will enable them to get good-paying jobs. Those who can't attend, can't send their kids to private school will be forced to go to public schools designed to fail. They will receive inferior educations with diminished job opportunities. This is what the Koch brothers... DeVos family and other right-wing billionaires have been working at for decades. They are within an inch of their goals. The only way to stop them is to make sure Republicans don't win. Then Britleaf says, DeVos is there to privatise America's education system, give a voucher to poor folks for their children to use in crumbling public schools, help the wealthy pay for their private and charter schools. Forget about college. College is only for the wealthy and a few poor geniuses. It's time for the Republic KKKN plan for education. And then Underwriter says... 
Not that they aren't related, to be honest, two sides of the same coin, but I see more fear than contempt in the Republicans' attitude towards public education. And we do, and we need another word for developing, which suggests moving up, whereas what we are doing is moving down. And then Bake says, lack of respect for teachers is rooted in the fact that the majority of them are female. And females have been the lesser member of the species Homo sapiens since its emergence. Couple this with the Koch brothers and their American Legislative Council, Exchange Council, have been encouraging red states to starve public education by diverting funds to private charter schools and private school vouchers in order to create a permanent underclass of Americans who are undereducated, not taught to think, lead or achieve and whose working parents are not paid a living wage. Well, thank you very much, Dale. And some of those comments, I think, uh, will, will resound with some of our listeners uh, because Australia uh, is, with our current government, going much the same way and in the same way as in America, they're also dealing with the Democrats, we're dealing with the Labor Party. Mm. So... There is a need for the dogs and there's a need for the teachers and the um, supporters of public education to keep fighting. Indeed. You're welcome to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM Dial. Listen to Jean, Dale and myself, Robert, talking about, talking about what's going on in America. Um, after the break, we'll be coming back to here in Australia because here on the Dogs we have two main issues that we think need to be brought to light. In Australia, one of course is the inequitable funding for the children in state schools in Australia, and the other, of course, is the separation of religion from the state in Australia, uh, which a lot of people I know out there assume um, is is a secular state, and these these two things are separate. Uh-huh. A very interesting article has been written by Lindsay Connors on Pearls and Irritations, a website run by John Menager, which brings these two things together. It all happened just a few weeks ago here in Victoria. But before I go there, I just have a comment on, on what Dale was talking about and what Jean was talking about as well. When was it, um, oh, Betsy DeVos sort of pulled the card of, you know, teachers shouldn't involve the, the kids in, in grown-up matters. Um, teachers should, should act. She's basically she's saying teachers should act as proper public servants. Hmm. They should keep their their disputes with their employers and indeed the government away from, away from the children and behave as responsible servants of the public. Now, for me, I find that absolutely reprehensible. It's, in fact, it's a bit disgusting because Betsy DeVos is in the business of turning teachers not into, not, 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 not as public servants, but teachers as competitors in a marketplace where education is the product. That is, that is her stated and overt goal, to privatise education through increasing the number of charter schools, which will then compete with each other for the product which is the children, and therefore competition in a, in, in a, in a sort of hedonistic capitalist education marketplace will mean that all boats will rise because everyone will, will fight each other. So she's privatising the teachers and their jobs and their roles, and at the same time getting up there in some sanctimonious, stupid way saying, you should behave like public servants. Well, for me that just, it's, it's, it's abhorrent hypocrisy. It's just, it, it actually gets on my gut, it actually gets on my nerves, it annoys me. I think when we should congratulate the teachers of America because those children came up in front of the White House and they demanded that they have a safe place to learn and hmm. to 
ban the guns. Indeed, which I is think a separate that was, issue. Yes, I, but I do think that we have to realise that the teachers are doing their job. Well, the teachers are turning up with the kids. Yes. At those rallies, and mm. Jane's now brought up another issue, which I think we'll talk about a little bit after these messages. Ali MC presents a brand new photography exhibition, Shot on the Road, an intimate yet confronting view of the forgotten parts of the world. Shot on the Road will be opening on Saturday, May 5 at the Fitzroy Library from 2 to 4 p.m. Shot on the Road is part of the 2018 Human Rights Arts and Film Festival and is supported by the City of Yarra, Prism Imaging and Brio Books. A 3CR supporter. Yes, welcome back to the Dogs Program. Before we return to Australia, just a few more comments on what's going on in America because it is, well, it's very interesting. And it's an old Chinese curse. They're living in very interesting times over there in America and, of course, if they sneeze, we catch a cold over here on the other side of the Pacific Ocean. But Jean quite rightly brought up the idea of the children in America wanting basically to go to school and not be afraid of being killed. Now, I'm sure many people would think that's hyperbole. Yeah, that's that's just being exact. And kids are like that, you know. You you give something a child a problem, and, and they'll make it hysterical. And if you put them all together, they get even more hysterical. But that's not what's happening in the United States because the teachers are going out with them, because the teachers want to want to work in a place that's safe. And often you hear conservatives, and it's just an amazing thing. You hear conservatives say, "Oh well, let's put police in schools. Let's let's talk about schools as a hard target." Let's, let's, let's talk about the architecture of a school that means that the school can become defensible in a military sense. And those are solutions that are being put forward in America currently. And the children are out in the streets saying, no, 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 I just want to go to school and I want the teacher to do their job. I mean, I don't like all my teachers and I, I just want to get back to, to not really liking school and, and trying my best sometimes rather than having to fear for my life every time I walk, walk through. They're talking about, about the most ridiculous... You know, they're talking about making chil- all children's school bags transparent, made out of transparent plastic so they can't smuggle things into the school. Can you imagine a 14-year-old girl going into a school who's just come into her first womanhood, um, walking in with a transparent school bag, trying to explain what's in there? Um, and having it, it's ridiculous. I mean, children, oh. anyway, the children are out in the street, the teachers are out, are out in the street saying this is all just a bit stupid. Can we just have some sensible gun laws? Can we just take all the guns that are designed for killing people in wars um, and, 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 and make those harder to get <laughs> like they are here in Australia? You know, if you want a gun like that in Australia, well, you sort of can have one, but it's got to be locked up and it's not in your home, it's not in any place, and of course, Police can have them sometimes, which I'm not so I'm sure that's a good idea. Um, I don't think police need to go to war against their citizens. And, of course, soldiers have them. Well, yeah, okay, fair enough. I'm not going to grumble about that. But in America, the children and the teachers are one. And Betsy DeVos and Harry Walker are actually on the other side. And actually, Betsy DeVos's response to the child shooting was just, was just disgusting. It was just... Yes, anyway, um, that's a separate issue. Um, let's come back to Australia where something equally disturbing has happened just here in Melbourne in the last couple of weeks. It, it got brushed under the radar. Um, Jean mentioned it to me in passing. I went, oh, no, that, that's just a small thing. But upon further examination, it even sort of went under my radar. And it perhaps relates to the separation of religion and the state in Australia. Now, 
In religion, and in particular in the Catholic religion, one thing you have to fundamentally understand, and I'm sure many Catholic listeners out there would, would agree with me when I say it is not a democracy. It's just not. It's very pre-democratic. It's not a democracy. What goes on in the Catholic Church is a matter of, well, there are structures and there is power, but the people who are Catholics in, in their religion do not have any of that. They have a little bit of a say, but they certainly have no power. In Australia, technically, we are a democracy, um, where the people technically do have the right to vote um, at regular intervals to say what they, who they want to represent them in the decisions that go forward in this country. It is technically, and in many ways practically, a democracy. Many would say a liberal democracy, and some would say ideally a democracy which is not related to any one particular religion. It's not a theocracy. There is no state religion in Australia. Um, there's no religion that everyone has to be part of, and in fact, under our constitution, um, you can't employ people um, in government based upon their religion alone. Apparently. So why is the Catholic Church making sure that the Labour Party, one of the political parties in Australia, um, was winning an election? Why did the Catholic Church decide that they were going to put money and resources and time and effort into making sure that the Labour Party won the election in Batman? Because they did. They made sure that the Greens did not win Batman. Now, it might have happened that the Greens weren't going to win anyway. I don't know. That's more part of democracy and that's now history. But what I can tell you is the Catholic Education Commission, the Catholic Education Commission, headed by their director, Stephen Eldar, Contacted the Liberal Party. Who, who, yes, he was a member also of the Liberal Party, but not, not, not the Labour Party, strangely yeah. enough. He actually contacted voters in the electorate of Backman directly through so-called robocalling to urge them to vote for Labour. So the Catholic Education Commission of Victoria, Stephen Elder, contacted tens of thousands of voters in the electorate of Backman and told them that they should vote Labor. How much does that cost? That's the question that's being asked by Lindsay Connors. He said, well, why should the Catholic Education Authority do this at all? And second, where did the funds for this come from? Did they come from the parents of the schools in Batman? Did they come from me? Did I pay for that? Was it taxpayers' money? Or was it, in fact, from some mythical pot of money that the church has, which is not related to taxpayers' money or, indeed, the parents? Just maybe they sold some jewels in the Vatican or something and, and used that money to do it. Because the public funding of private schools in Australia remains a highly contested and sensitive political issue. I know, because I'm on the dogs program, and I contest it. And it's not just sensitive, it's stupid. <laughs> But to go on, in the words of Lindsay Connors, in an article he wrote in Pearls and Irritations on the, uh, just, just the other day, actually, he said, The history of public funding has been marred by politically driven deals based on all forms of sectarianism and have little or no significance in contemporary and culturally diverse Australian society today, and even less relevant to the purposes of education. I think just to step away, what Lindsay Connors is saying is that there's no such thing as Catholic maths. There's no such thing. There is a Catholic mass, but there's no such thing as Catholic mass. No such thing as Catholic science. There's no such thing as Catholic history. Um, these are just things separate from the word Catholic in front of them. So there's no real reason to have a Catholic school, in purely educational terms. 
Well, especially since back in uh, the day, back in 1979, they spent 26 days in the High Court saying that they weren't religious institutions, trying to prove that they weren't religious institutions, just educational institutions. Why on earth are we funding them? Well, as what Lindsay Collins is quite quite, quite saying, what happened in 1971 and what happens in 2018 are actually now fundamentally and socially different things. Um, the Catholic, the, the Catholicism of mathematics is of no concern to anyone in 2018. Now, for our Australian school system to advance, says Lindsay Connors, one priority for government is to build a workable consensus about the basis of continuing taxpayer support for private schools, which now educate in Australia about one third of all students. Now, the only rationale likely in 2018, in the view of Lindsay Connors, is to provide a basis for any consensus relies on the principle that all Australian children are entitled to schools with resources that need to achieve their best, in their own and in the national interests. Governments have responsibility to see that school authorities spend their recurrent education funding on just that, either directing it to teaching students in schools and classrooms or on related forms of support. So he's saying the only reason that anyone could put forward as to why you have private schools in the first place is that private schools have students and those students are Australian, and so therefore you should fund the students. So that's the sort of basis. That's the only basis left. There's no, there's, there's no argument left in Australian context of, of um, Catholics should go to Catholic schools because they're Catholics. Muslims should go to Muslim schools because they're Muslims. That, that, that argument doesn't fly in 2018. It did in the past, didn't it, Jane? Well, they tried to make it fly in the past, and of course it caused a lot of divisions within the the, the, the country. I'm not sure that she's right and I think it's very interesting that she's taking this stance because uh, it wasn't the stance that she took uh, in earlier times but I'm fascinated by the way uh, so many people who have been public education uh, compromises in the past are coming back to the dog's position. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, one thing they say is of all the factors that have bedeviled the attempt to find a rational, equitable, coherent, transparent and affordable policy for public funding of public and private schools in Australia, one prime contributor has been the unhealthy relationship that exists between major political parties and the Catholic Church in particular. So she names them. Now, she wouldn't have done that decades ago, would she? No. No. Now, the Catholic Education Office of Victoria did a phone blitz. It followed hard on the heels of when Bill Shorten, who's the opposition leader, committed Labor, if elected, that they would make sure that Catholic schools would get a level of funding that was inflated by a string of special deals introduced by the coalition government under John Howard years ago and protected by Labor when even Gillard was in power, preempting its own Gonski review of school funding with a promise that there will be, and as Julia Gillard said, actually it wasn't Howard, as Julia Gillard said, there will be no losers. Now, one of the possible positive aspects of the Gonski 2.0's policy has been the provision of National Schools Resourcing Board. Its first task is to resolve one of the key concerns expressed by the Catholic sector, that is the criteria for assessment of a school's community anticipated private income, but is due to report in June. Despite having uh, having established this apparently independent body in a timely way, Simon Birmingham is now reportedly under pressure by members of his own party ahead of the review board's findings to mend fences with Stephen Elder because Stephen Elder and Simon Birmingham have been at war to avoid a brawl with Catholic school sector that could jeopardise marginal seats in the next federal election. So what Simon Birmingham is now afraid of is that the Catholic Education Office 
paid out of Catholics' money, or probably even taxpayers' money, to make sure that the Labor Party won the Batman election. The Catholic Church is still Maybe trying to flex Maybe they'll its do muscles. it when it's up against a Liberal candidate. Yep. The Catholic Church is still trying to prove that it is a player in politics in Australia. And it is a question I think that Birmingham should stand firm because I doubt that actually it is such a big player. The only person who's really close to the old DLP position is Corey Bernardi and uh, the DLP lady who actually joined his party has has defected anyway, so uh, I just wonder how powerful they really are. Well, she says that this whole thing is a national game. We're a team of school bullies, the Catholic Education Office, brandishing votes, place spineless and unprincipled politicians for a pot of public dollars. Correct. The fact that Lindsay Collins was so affronted by the Catholic Education Office's telephone intervention in Batman by-election puzzled me. After all, she says... She belongs to a generation that has long been used to the Catholic clergy and clergy of other denominations using the pulpit to tell their own congregations which party to vote for. And she's always been taken, taken the view that religious leaders are entitled, as any other citizen, to engage publicly in political debate. From time to time, she's welcomed statements from churches emanating from a concern for the downtrodden and the persecuted. Often churches talk about government's underfunding of social services. And should they be allowed to do that? Why, yes. I've got a view on it, a priest has a view on it, we can both express our views. Of course, a priest giving congregation orders on how to vote could be seen as a private conversation within a church community in itself. Whereas, she says, telephoning outsiders in their own homes to tell them what they should do when they vote is a somewhat different matter. And I think I'm going to stop here because I think this is an important point. Because the Catholic Church's power at the pulpit no longer exists in anywhere near the same way it does. If a priest gets up in a Catholic church and says, you have to vote this way because I say so, there's not that many people sitting in the church in the first place for it it to matter. So what they're doing now is they're not going to the church to tell all the Catholics how to vote, they're getting on the telephone poles to tell everyone how to vote. Now, could it be, says this Lindsay... This is very intrusive. Hmm, could it be that Lindsay Collins, that, I'm sens- that she is sim- simply being a Luddite? She's offended by the Catholic Education Officers using news technology to amplify the church's traditional political thunderings from the pulpit. What would be my reaction had been had Stephen Elders employed an intermediate technology and driven a van all around the electorate of Backman? What if he had simply used a loud hailer to instruct voters to vote for the ALP, not the Greens, in Batman? providing a sharp reminder at the same time that the coalition, which, by the way, ran no member in Batman whatsoever, of what it could expect in the next federal election if it failed to come up with all the money that Stephen Elder wants for his his Catholic schools. Now, to start with, Mr Elder is not a priest. He's employed as the head of a school authority. He has chosen to spruik his pro-Labour message in the streets, which would be very likely have raised questions about why, in that role, he was doing it at all. Given that he's been, I think, a, a federal M- MP. Yeah, for the Liberal Party. Mm. The robo-calling certainly provided him with a more subtle and insidious form of communication, combining as it does the advantages of remote control with the capacity to invade the privacy of individual voters in their own homes. There are some other interesting aspects of the whole incident. Is that 
Here we have a Catholic education director who was formerly a Liberal Party member in the Victorian, not the Federal Parliament, now contacting electors of Batman to tell them to vote Labor. By contrast, back in 2004, in the federal election, Cardinal George Pell lined up with his Anglican counterpart to oppose the then Labor policy of redistributing funds within the private school sector, from the overfunded to the neediest, in a direct, at the direct expense of those of his own Catholic schools serving the children from poor families. Mm. Oh, that's been the, that has been the, the story since state aid began. Religious people are not interested in the education of the poor. They are interested in the education of the wealthy and their children who will be the power people in the next generation. It goes back to the ancient Roman Empire. A little break, we'll be right back. Want to support 3CR's diverse and independent voices? Donate now by calling 9419 or donate online at www.3cr.org.au or post us a cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277, Collingwood 3066. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. Well, back to the main question of who on earth is paying for all these robocalls to make sure that Labor won the by-election in Batman. Well, to the best of Lindsay Connors' understanding, and mine too, there are actually four possible, under- four possible answers to this question. The robocall was paid for directly by the church itself, or was it paid for by the Catholic Education Office of Victoria from funds provided by me and you and Dale and Jean by the taxpayers, or the income derived mainly from parents' fees? Did the parents of the schools pay? Or was it a combination of these sources of funding? Well, firstly, did the Catholic Church itself foot the bill? Faced with dwindling congregations and indeed authority, certainly after the Royal Commission, is this institution now intending to use its large school system rather than its churches as the vehicle through which to exert its political influence? And I think this is a very good point. What are the implications for our national system of education if a significant element of its schools, that is all the Catholic schools, not to mention the children they serve, are to be used as a political tool? Now, she has no idea, and I have no idea, how much this annoying and intrusive practice of robocalling costs, and and quite frankly it doesn't matter. What matters here is there is a significant principle at stake. If the Catholic system authority used its own funds to foot the bill for the robocalling to influence an election. The church itself now contributes very little towards financing its own schools. It doesn't really pay very much at all, including their head offices. They don't really pay for that either. They don't really pay Stephen Elder's salary. The Catholic church doesn't do that. We do. Even though they've got property worth $70 billion. Yes. The recumbent funding of Catholic school systems by Commonwealth and state governments runs at around 80% of the total funding bill, and in many cases, much, much more, almost 100%, sometimes even more. And the, almost the remaining 20% comes from fees paid by individual parents. Well, I actually disagree with that. Um, the fees, the cost, because remember, we've got the golden number, about 11000 in a primary school, about 13000 in in a secondary school. That's how much it costs to educate a child in Victoria or other things notwithstanding. We, the taxpayers, pay that 
We pay that amount of money. Anything else the parents pay is, is cream on top. Now, the legal situation is clear when it comes to the use by the Catholic Education Office in Victoria or any similar private provider of schooling of public funds provided by governments. They must be used for educational purposes for which they were provided. It's hard to imagine that the political robocalling could be judged as an educational purpose. But what of this Catholic Education Office funds that come from private sources? Unless it, provides to, unless it proves to be the case that fee-paying parents were asked by the Catholic Education Office to donate money in addition to their normal school fees specifically to finance the robocalling political intervention. Were they asked? No. Then a serious issue arises. Do the parents know this is where their money's going? This is because the public funding provided by governments and the private funding from parents are inextricably linked. If the resource standard and the educational purposes of the public funding are to be achieved, an assessment of the capacity of parents to contribute financially through fees for their children to attend Catholic schools is the basis for determining the level of a school's entitlement to public funding. The implicit understanding here is that the private contributions that the parents cough up are applied to education. (laughs) The actions of the Catholic Education Office of Victoria raise the question of whether this is actually the case. The bureaucracy itself costs quite a bit. It does. Mr Elder's got to be paid. He does. That's right. Now, if the private funded funded drive mainly from parents' fees can be siphoned off for other than educational purposes for which the money was actually collected from the parents, then the integrity of the funding scheme of the whole is just stuffed up. It's corrupted, in in Lindsay Connors' words. If that is what happened, then surely the effect is the same as if public funds available to the Victorian Catholic system have been used to pay for robocalls to influence a political result. Now, I think Lindsay Connors, again, I think now she's getting into this sort of fiddling with the deck chairs, mm-hmm. as she's done for so many years, hasn't she, Jane? Just, yeah. you, you, you play around the edges and hopefully someone will notice and care, but they don't. She could Stephen, have Stephen Miller does not care what Lindsay Connors thinks, which is a bit sad. Well, he probably doesn't care what I think either, but it's not just sad, that's dangerous for him because the world's shifting. And that's not a warning or a threat, Stephen, if you're listening. Um, that's just to let you know you better find some new arguments because you better give us money or we'll vote you out isn't really going to work if you're going to use the schools. And there is, of course, the question of whether or not the Liberal Party should be so terribly worried about this because uh, Mr Birmingham is, in fact, giving them more and more money under the cover anyway. What this is about is not lack of money but lack of control. Yes, control. Well, let's talk about something we can control, which is talking about a brilliant, in fact, a great state school. Today we're going to be having a chat about Mernda Central, Peter 12 College, up there in the north of Melbourne. Every week on the Doctor Program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great. Schools. School of the week. State school. School of the week. Great state schools. State schools. School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. Yeah, up there in Myrna in the north of Melbourne, it's a brand new school. P to 12, that is prep to 12. That's a school that does it all. It's not a primary school, it's not a secondary school. It goes from P to 12. It's now, there because parents fought for it hard and they got it. 
Yep, they certainly did, because the plans were to build this whole new suburb, and they had this vacant block of land which was supposed to have a school in it, but then Ivanhoe Grammar turned up, then Acacia College turned up, and then all these other people turned up, set up private schools. And the people who lived there went, no, we don't want to send our child to a private school, we want to send our kid to a state school. So the government, the Labor government actually, and the local member, Michelle Green, made sure it was built, and it was. It opened last year. So this is a great state school, not because of what it's done. This is a great state school because of what it's about to do. Now, they've only got 400 kids, a bit under 400 kids at the moment, and they P to 12. They don't go P to 12, they go P to 7 at the moment. So they're starting with the young'uns. And when you look at the kids that are turning up, um, about 60% of them come from the lowest, the poorest half of Australia, and, of course, the other 20% come from the richest half. Only 8% uh, come from the top quartile of, 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 of um, schools. So it says here the year value is 1,000, but it's not. It's less than that. They've actually made a mistake on the website, on the MySchool website, where I got a lot of this data from. So why is this school needed? Well, there's only been private schools up there lately. Um, and so the kids that are turning up to Mernda Central School because they've had this private education have turned up with, I have to say, and it's quite sad, very, very low educational outcomes and results. So in reading and writing and grammar and numeracy, all of the kids have turned up to this school in year three, in year five, in year seven because they've been privately educated up to this point have very poor outcomes, very poor NAPLAN outcomes. So that's the basis. That's where they're starting. They've had them for a year. They've, they've given it a go, but they have to catch up now because as a public school, you have to undo all the mess that's been done by the private school system up there in the north to fix it up. Oh, just by the way, for all those people that think private schools are good, yeah, there's spelling results. The spelling results of all these kids that come from private schools and turned up at the Moon to Peter 12, their spelling results are okay. Yeah, they can spell. Their writing, not so good. Their reading, not so good. Their grammar, not so good. And their numeracy, not so good. But these kids that have turned up at the school in the very first year, they could spell. And I think that kind of gives you a bit of an an, an indication about old-fashioned educational values, which I think is a bit sad. Um, But that's where they start from. And I expect in the years to come, the Mernda Central School is going to do great things. They've got a good principal. Unfortunately, the school was built with a public-private partnership. So they've got a private company to build the school and now the government has to lease it back off of them for the next 25 years. But I can tell you, having driven past it many times, that it is an active school when it comes to engaging with the community. They have a a swimming pool, um, but it's not just the schools, it's for the school and everyone who wants to come as well. It's one of those joined in with the school kind of place, joined in with the community kind of places. So I'm really looking forward to to what's going on and what's in fact going ahead with this school. So there's no financial data available as yet for this school because it hasn't been open for long enough. So I don't know, but I will tell you that the cost would be somewhere between twelve dollars and $15,000 per student per student for this particular school. The school itself, a fascinating place, is right in the middle of Myrna, which is a brand new suburb. So all the houses are new, all, all, all the kids are, are brand new. But the school itself, I think, is rather interesting. So what do you do when you start up a new school in the middle of a brand new place? Well, it's not on the main street. It's, it's in the suburb itself. It's a state-of-the-art facility, and it provides the best opportunity for contemporary educational design. And, of course, you can start off with student-centred learning approaches because the spaces themselves that they have have been built to be creative and adaptable and, indeed, functional. 
So for students who want to go on their own and do something with extra support, you can, but if you work better with your in collaborative ways, then there's spaces available for that. Access to education, seamless, and it goes right through from prep to year 12 which is going to be very interesting to see how that happens. These things are dangerous sometimes. They can go wrong. But I have faith in the parent community wanting to make sure the right thing happens up there. So today we're going to talk... Yeah, we have spoken about the Mernda Central College or the Mernda Peter 12 Central School as our great state school. It's not great yet, but you know what? I have every hope for it because at last the people in the outer North Melbourne actually have a state school that can, they can send their kids to. And do you know what? They are. If I was Ivan Ivanhoe Grammar out there, I'd start to be getting a bit worried because if the local state school starts to do well, Ivanhoe Grammar is going to have a problem with their business model and they're going to start grumbling and saying, it's not fair, the state school's too good. We need it to be not good so we can be comparatively better. So, government, please give them less money. Seventh Days Adventist College, Gilson College, took over from the Acacia College. It's got even more problems, I'd say. Jean, who's very well aware, she's local in the area, not all of our listeners are, but there are a number of private schools. One, of course, is the Seventh Day Adventist College. Um, its uh, enrolments have flatlined over some time. And they've, I can't imagine that the majority of the population have learned it, given that there's a great state school to send your kid to, uh, will, be, will be faffing around with private schools of, of, of that ilk. Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the DOGS program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent or if you're a kid or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary State College. schools are great. Harkaway Primary great School. State Sunshine schools. North Primary School. They're really school. concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. You've got, like, you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got vis- physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually, an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's who, that's who we welcome into this Outdoor school. play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the weekly assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words that he's actually... So so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses, refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long, don't necessarily start off with a positive great relationships with each other, with teachers, and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast, and so there's, there's food on. If you are involved in a state school and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 9419 State schools are great schools. Great state schools. You've been listening to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. If you're interested in what we've been talking about, you can, of course, contact us at our website, www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. And, of course, you can contact us through the 3CR website as well. Um, you can go there at www.3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Or, in fact, if you can think of a great state school in your area, you can give us a call. 
just just give the receptionist a call on nine four one nine eight three double seven. That's nine four one nine eight three double seven. And if you're out there, Sarah, I'm trying to get back hold of you because uh, I know you gave the dogs a call and we'll speak soon. But for all the other listeners out there, for the personal touch, give us a call. But let us know that you're listening. And if you have anything to say, we're willing to listen and put it to air too. Anyway, until next week, from Jean, from myself and from Dale, it's bye for now. Joe, you're ten years dead.